Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? We're back. Sorry I had to take a little break, a little week off. My sister was in town, and I wanted to uh, just show her Kansas City and have a good time with her. We tried going to Mean Mule Distillery, which has, uh, which I have on today is Tiki D, Diana. Uh, she is a bartender at Mean Mule, and I tried taking my sister there, but they were closed on the days we went. So, anyways, uh, Tiki D specializes in what else? Tiki. What is Tiki? Tune in and find out. Tiki drinks. You know, those rum-inspired drinks you see in, like, all the old-time TV shows and movies with, like, Elvis Presley or maybe something you'd think Gilligan would have had before the three-hour tour. Um, She's an amazing woman, has overcome a lot, and has an amazing story. Born... In America, then sent as a baby to go live in Bolivia and then come back up here. Crazy story. She's passionate about uh, bartending. She's passionate about, I don't know if I would say bartending, but yeah, that and people when it breaks down to it. Like she loves her job. She's uh, an incredible mixologist. Like she makes some amazing drinks. Uh, Go to Mean Mule Distillery, it's in the crossroads on Tuesday nights. And that's her tiki nights. Oh, some of the best drinks. I mean, go there during the week anyways, whether it's her bartending or not. It's just Mean Mule is awesome. It's one of my favorite places to drink. Tiki D is my favorite bartender in Kansas City, and hopefully she will be yours too. She's an awesome, awesome person, and I'm excited for you guys to listen to this. And I really do hope you guys go in to Mean Mule Distillery and order one of her drinks. Um, that's it guys. Enjoy this episode. This was a lot of fun. Uh, boom, schlock, boom. Welcome to the Inner Talk Podcast. Will no topic kiss off. Now here's your host, my daddy, and Royda Soul. Thank you for coming to the Inner Talk Podcast. Boom, schlock, boom. Three, two, one tiki d <laughs> thank you so Hi. much for coming here this thank is you great for having me i'm gonna take a sip of my drink real quick same mm-hmm. tiki d i know you you are my favorite bartender in kansas city <laughs> that's awesome i've never had a favorite bartender in mm-hmm. kansas city before so you are uh my first i've been waiting for a long time to have one <laughs> Put, all right, I'm going to help you out real quick, though. S- switch your headphones to your other ear. Oh, like this? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, there we go. There you go. feels better. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <clears throat> um, So you work at Mean Mule. Mm-hmm. Mean Mule Distillery. Is that what the guys call it officially? Yeah, it was the Distilling Co. Distilling Mean Co. Distilling. It's in the Crossroads, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is one of my favorite areas of Kansas City. And it's right in between Parlor and Grinders, which most people know. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have been open. Well, I guess it's not. How, what is your affiliation with them other than bartender? Or is that just you're just a bartender for them? Or is there? Um, well, I actually helped open the place up last year. So it's been open a little bit over a year now officially. But um, I was only there like one day a week. Before get right up COVID? on the like st- try to stay into the mic it'll sound oh, okay you, and you can move the mic like do this get okay. however i'm gonna put it closer to me there you there go, we go. okay 
Um, so, I mean, I was there, you know, like one day a week because I was at Tiki Cat full time and then COVID hit and then Tiki Cat closed. So then I started working full time and now I manage the bar. So I guess bartender manager, whatever there you, you want to call it, lead. <laughs> how long have you been bartending? How old are you first of all? <laughs> I'm 26. And how long have you been bartending? Since uh, 21. Okay. So the minute I turned 21... That's when I started bartending um, at this little bar in Waldo called District. And I was that annoying server that would always ask questions to the bar manager and be like, hey, what's that? What's what's that? Like, why do you do that? And, you know, Gordon Roberts, um, he was my mentor. He actually owns a restaurant called the Presbyterian Tavern in West Plaza now. And uh, he was like, you know, if you want to just bartend, just, you know, come back here. I was like, cool. So I turned 21 um, and then I started bartending morning shifts because those are the easiest shifts. Right. And eventually, you know, I graduate. I graduated from morning bartender to night bartender. And then once you make it to the weekend bartender, you're official. <laughs> so, um, yeah, since I was 21. So I, and district was like a craft cocktail <clears throat> bar. OK. Um, so I learned all the basics before I became a tiki bartender. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like the classic cocktails, like the Negroni, Old Fashioned, Sazeracs. And um, that was a really good base for me, especially since I was just starting. Mm -hmm. So I think I I got really lucky to for, for that bar to like have me as a bartender for the first time. And then from there, I went on to opening up other restaurants and... Uh, like a Bori Ramen, I, I worked there for a little bit, and then I worked at uh, the Presbyterian Tavern for Gordon's place. And after that, you know, I got offered a Tiki Cat, and that was like where my niche, like I was like in love with Tiki, and that was three years ago. Was that Tiki? When tiki why? Came. Why did they close? I, I mean, no, because I know you said COVID, but a lot of other places didn't close uh, down did they close because of covid or was it, was it strictly uh, well, like a money thing because of covid it was like, uh from what i know um i mean it was everything was very hush hush at the beginning because they didn't want to obviously scare us <laughs> especially at a time like this but from what i know it was just like a financial struggle for them to keep that place um open especially when they had other locations around the United States. I think mm. they have 18 oh, wow. Hopcats. Yeah. <clears throat> it started in Michigan. Yeah, I've been to that one. Yeah, that's the original, the OG. Yeah, I've been to the original. It's yeah. a pretty cool little spot. Yeah. Have so, you been to it? Yeah, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. I actually went there and met my boss, Mark, the owner, founder, CEO, <laughs> I guess. And he was the one that, you know, um, got me into Tiki as well. So... Tiki Cat was like his little side project. That was like the little speakeasy yeah. underneath Hopcat, right? Yeah. Okay. So originally, Tiki <clears throat> Cat was supposed to be in Hawaii, apparently. Like they were planning on opening up a Hopcat there. Mm -hmm. But eventually they decided in the Midwest. That's <laughs> a drastic difference. <laughs> I know, right? Well, Kansas City used to have three Tiki bars back in the 60s. Okay. So yeah, so it was it was a Tiki town in a sense. And then eventually, you know, it died off. But, um, he, you know, he wanted to bring it back to the Midwest and he did, I think it was, per it was the perfect location in a sense where like there was, there's, there was no other bar like it in Kansas city when it came and, um, 
Hopcat happens to be a beer bar. Um, so it was completely different, completely different from upstairs. So when you enter this bar from uh, Hopcat, you go downstairs and then you open this door and it's a completely it's different. It's almost like atmosphere. a hidden door too. It was a hidden door and you get like, it was a like a, I don't know. It was just like a, it was kind of magical in my, in my opinion. Even working there, it never got old. It felt like I was in a show every single night. Like Gilligan's Island or something? <laughs> Literally. And like <laughs> that too. But also like we had a little camera at the bar and like five o'clock hit and the doors would open. But there would be a line wrapped around all the stairs and it would be like, all right, guys, showtime. And we would all just like, be like, all right, guys, like let's get the waters ready, restorations. And then after that, we'll be like, okay. We'll play a little song before we open the doors and be like, all right, guys, showtime. And we'll just a little dance. And I, you know, I miss that. And yeah, I know people were really excited always to come in. It was definitely a different type of clientele in the sense where people were excited to be there too. They expected a show in a sense of like the cocktails, the atmosphere, from the music to the lights. It wasn't just like a normal bar where you <clears> just go and have a cocktail and peace out. <laughs> okay it wasn't just like a regular it was an experience was, yeah, okay. from the service to the music the mood it was it was beautiful and mark sellers the founder he definitely did it right because he got like the best of the best in the tiki world um from shag the artist to um anthony carpenter who did our mugs or the artwork for the menu there was just a lot of people that put a lot of love in that place and Bamboo Ben designed that space as well, which is a really well-known uh, tiki designer. Um, and, you know, we had Martin Kate, who is uh, James Beard Award. I think that's how you say it. James, James Beard, Beard Award, Award yeah. yeah. Winner for the book called Smuggler's Cove. And he came in and trained us on tiki um, history, why we do the things. And that was, I think, one of the biggest highlights when tiki cat opened because people in the, cock- in the cocktail world found out that he was in kansas city and teaching the bartenders about tiki culture and he was part of the opening of tiki cat and that was one of the biggest i think things that people were like oh we got to go to this bar and check it out <laughs> and i unfortunately wasn't part of the people that got taught by martin Kate, but i did get to meet him um a few times actually throughout my tiki adventures at tiki cat throughout the years and he's awesome does he he live here (laughs) no he lives in um california okay yeah of course he does (laughs) (laughs) he owns a beautiful bar called smuggler's cove which is based off his book smuggler's cove which is the winner (laughs) so what happens to uh tiki cat now with like you know the whole little basement like all the decorations the whole atmosphere like that whole building, the hop cat, like what's going to happen? You I know just what's get funny? sold to someone else? Everybody or what? that I've seen, like, <clears throat> I, I'm pretty sure I get asked that question like every single week by somebody. It's funny. Um, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen to any of that, sadly. If it was up to me, I would buy it all. <laughs> <laughs> I want all of it. And, um, but I, I have no idea what's going to happen to it. I just hope, you know, whoever has it has good intentions with it because there's just they're pretty cool stuff down there um i don't know i just got really attached to everything because mm-hmm. you know i would like you were kind of like a travel agent too <laughs> in a sense when you were down there because people will ask you like well, who's who made that 
where's that from like you know and you'd be like oh this is from this artist or blah 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 so um i don't know what's gonna happen to the stuff or what i have no idea but hopefully you know we open ticket cat back up in the future that's the hope they've been talking about it but i also don't know yeah just rumors we're all yeah are there any other tiki places in kansas city no well actually sorry yes wrong um tiki huna in the iron district oh i've heard of that place i have not gone down there yet i wanted to go there last week but they have funny hours right now yeah i think they're open right now thursday through sunday yeah i think i think that's right and they open at 10 Mm a.m and they're until 10 10 i believe and 10 to 10 mm -hmm. Mm. i actually do guest bartend there (laughs) okay so for me to say like it doesn't exist my bad trent sorry if you're hearing this (laughs) but um yeah i know that little space is basically like ship containers yeah and they have little vendors like from closing to food items um from food like food vendors Mm -hmm. and then the only bar that's there is tiki huna and uh trent was is the bar manager there and he was the one that was like hey would you want to come down and work a few shifts because you know tiki cat closed so he knew that kind of had me (laughs) i was like yeah i do (laughs) i miss tiki i love doing those cocktails they're fun um so i'm there like twice a week well two times a month my bad not twice a week (laughs) okay and then every tuesday at mean mule you do a tiki night yes tiki tuesdays tiki tuesdays with tiki d (laughs) yes exactly the best i so the owners um they knew how much passionate i was about tiki and they let me play around on Tuesdays with rums instead of just mean meal. Mm-hmm. I do have some mean meal cocktails, obviously, on the menu, always available on Tuesdays because that's what we we're trying to sell. And they're <laughs> phenomenal. They're amazing. Um, but on Tuesdays, it's a little bit more special for me specifically because I get to bring cocktails that you won't really find any anymore in Kansas City, like the painkiller, the zombie, um, you know, and it's it's kind of cool to see all the regulars who used to go to Tiki Cat come on Tuesdays now and get a little drink and they're like, oh, it's a little, you know, piece of paradise. <laughs> not yeah. full on out, obviously, because it's not decked out Tiki, but, you know, the cocktail. Yeah. Um, I, we, we've mentioned Tiki a bunch of times and I, I mean, I kind of know what it is, but I mean... What exactly is tiki? I mean, it's more than just rum and spider drinks, right? Right. So tiki, the word tiki is basically the first human. That's what it translates to. Oh, cool. Yeah. And what, um, what culture? Like uh, uh, South Pacific or mm-hmm, something? Correct. Um, but tiki itself, it started in the 1930s. And it, it was actually invented here in the United States, in, in California, to be more specific. By two guys, um, Trader Vic and Don Beach. Um, and they, according to like the books and you know what I've read, it's like they were travelers, um, world you know, renowned men. And they wanted to bring that Pacific, South Pacific vibes to the United States. You know, that the escapism that you get from okay. being in a tiki bar. And also after the war ended, World War II, all of those soldiers came back and, you know, they brought stories from, you know, their travel, like from them being Hawaii and, uh, 
So they took advantage in that situation of like, oh, this is the perfect time to open up a, a bar or a, a restaurant that's going to you know, transport you back to those areas. And they did a really good job in that sense. So that's where Tiki started happening. Uh, but I believe Don Beach was the main guy first and then Trader Vic came second. But Trader Vic was an amazing mixologist too because he was the one that created it, supposedly the Mai Tai. And, um, and that's one of the classic cocktails till this day that you see around the world. Who came up with a lot of these drinks? Were, were a lot of these drinks from their travels I, I on mean, these islands? And- yeah. I think a lot of them were inspired cocktails that they saw throughout their journeys. And then they brought them back and they made them their own. And, you know, and then they put those names, Mai Tai, Zombie, and... And then it, they became really big for a, for a very long time. And then in the 60s, it, it died again. And what happened in the 60s? Uh, well, I from, you know, from what I've read, I, I guess it's because like, you know, rock, sex and <laughs> drugs started happening. Like, you know, and Tiki just kind of just died in a sense. Okay, yeah. It was it was more seen as tacky and. You know, it's something that your grandpas <laughs> were okay. into. Okay, I got it. And that all, makes sense. All yeah, the yeah, 60 yeah. kids were uh, like... A completely new generation. Uh, Get out of here with that old... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, quick, go over there and talk about your war, your old people. Drink your rum and pineapple, whatever. <laughs> they just wanted we're fast dropping drinks. dropping acid and, and rocking the Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they wanted fast drinks because the clubs were really big at that point. You know, disco and all that. And, you know, they wanted just a vodka soda or a vodka grenadine, like... They didn't care about the execution of the drinks, the art, as the art that came with tiki <clears throat> and just classic cocktails. Um, so I think that's what happened in the sixties. They didn't care anymore. They were like, "I just want a fast drink. I want to get drunk. <laughs> Let's go." <laughs> what, yeah. What year was Gilligan's <laughs> Island? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Because so I don't. Okay. So here's the thing with me. I came here when I was eleven. Mm-hmm. So that show was already happening, and I oh, it was happened way before my time even. That's <laughs> yeah, a long, it's like, an old ass show. Yeah, I was like, but, that's but I've when seen wha- a few um, clips of it for sure, and we used to actually play it at Tiki Cat on the yeah. little TV. Nice. So, yeah, I've seen that little show, but I don't know what year it came out. What? Where did you come from? Eleven years old. Where did uh, you spend your first eleven years? <laughs> In South America. Okay. Yeah. So I came here when I was 11, but I was actually, long story short, I guess in a way, um, I was born in Jersey, in Teaneck, and my mom at the time was an immigrant, so she couldn't really afford to take care of me at the time. So she sent me back to Bolivia to live with my aunt and my cousins till I was, well, I, f- yeah, till I was 11, but I mean, it was really hard for her to like obviously do that because she didn't know any English and to have me in a country where she didn't have any help. You know, she had to do what she had to do. And um, so I grew up with my cousins and how you were like a baby baby when she sent you down there. Yeah. Eight, eight months, apparently. OK. And I was my uncle helped me get that get down there, I guess. Um, did you have did you have to get smuggled down there? No, my uncle had a visa. Okay. And she was an immigrant, so she crossed the border and everything, so she couldn't take me. Right. Because okay. then she would just get deported, yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So my uncle, who had a visa, 
a traveling visa at the time he was the one that helped get me back well get me to Bolivia and that's how I got there at eight months old (laughs) little Diana (laughs) (laughs) and um so I grew up I guess half of my childhood thinking that my aunt was my mom and my cousins were my brothers and sisters till I was eight and then I got (laughs) the news that that wasn't true and um Oh, that must have been devastating. I was so upset. <laughs> what do you do at eight? Oh my! I well, yeah. What do you do? Like, how do you handle that? How did uh, you handle it? I think I just have really bad trust issues <laughs> because of that, you know. And but I don't know. It was really sad, and for me specifically because I loved my family. Mm-hmm. I love my cousins. I don't even call them cousins or my brothers and sisters. Right. Um, but when I'm talking in story, yeah, yeah, know, I'd say cousins. For sure. But no, I love them so much and I love living in Bolivia. That's the world that I knew. Like, I didn't know anything else. I knew about America through my aunt who used to call me all the time and it happens to be my mom. <laughs> 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 and, I, and it's funny. So when I was little, <laughs> me and my cousin, Jessica, she was a little bit older than me, like two years. I'd be like, she likes me better than you. She sends me better gifts. Oh. <laughs> like, we're, 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 we got to check this chick real quick. As soon as she's old enough, we're letting her know. Like, she's talking too much trash. Bro. Well, you just wait. Yeah. I was like, she likes, I, I always felt I was the favorite one <laughs> yeah. for some weird reason. And so did she. Right. And, and I said, she was like, why did she get a Game Boy? <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and I eventually it, everything clicked. And I was like, whoa. When they decided to tell me that, it was because my mom at the time, she was ready to have me back in the States. Um, she got married to my stepdad at the time, and he helped her get her citizenship. Nice. So she was able to, okay, now I'm ready to have my daughter back. So let's tell her the truth. And then when that happened, I was so devastated. I didn't want to leave. I was like, I don't know you, lady. (laughs) (laughs) I just want you through the phone. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for my Game Boy. I'm staying here. I've never met you. (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) Um, And so um, it was really all of a sudden. Like, she didn't really give my family either, like, some time to... It must have been devastating for them. They were uh, really upset, too. She didn't really give them time to, like, um, you know, plan this out. Like, how can we tell her? And she um, she was like, I'm coming next week. Damn. <laughs> it was all of a sudden. That's not good for anybody. No. <laughs> they were really upset at her, of course. And cause they were like, you don't know what you're doing to this kid. It's very traumatic. We need to plan yeah, this out. Right. <laughs> like, and um, she showed up and in Bolivia. And that was the first time I met her at eight. And there's actually a picture. I should have brought a picture. But it's just like me and my like me and my mom. And I'm just like super like, <laughs> like a little kid. Like, I don't know you. Yeah. <laughs> like in every single picture. And then um, actually... You know, she realized that this probably wasn't going to work out if she brings me back. I was crying every night that she was there. She stayed for a whole week and my cousins were crying. It was just a uh. really sad week. And they, I, I don't know how they convinced her. 
um they were just like you know how about we put her in an american school because they did have american schools in bolivia surprisingly it's called the american school (laughs) (laughs) and they teach you english kind of like a foreign you know school here like you know you just learn english Mm -hmm. and um so she was like okay if you guys put her in a school like that i'm willing to you know think about it so she said another week so she said two weeks total and eventually she decided to okay let's do this and she didn't really know me either she probably was freaking out to have a kid (laughs) and she does not want to be with me yeah (laughs) and um so they convinced her and i got to stay till i was 11 and it's yeah and that's how i came to america when i was 11 and i didn't know any english (laughs) it's funny enough because they were so i was supposed to go to an american school but the tuition was so high and my family wasn't rich at all Mm -hmm. and my mom's decided to just let's just keep her in a private school but it was all spanish and it was always like growing up about school it's so weird like her education like it was always the main priority when they talked about everything um so yeah I stayed there till 11. I came here and was I, that, was that adjust? Was it easier to adjust then? Cause you had like four years to prepare for it. No, <laughs> I kind of forgot about it in a sense. I was a kid. Yeah. I was like, yes, I'm not going there. But they're not your, your, your aunt and uncle aren't like constantly reminding you like, all right, Hey, no, they got two years left with you. Hey, next the, year. The last year was really sad. Because it felt like it was going so fast. Mm -hmm. And it felt like, you know, like those really bad butterflies Mm -hmm. all year long. Mm. And it was just like, "Mm." but the first like anxiety for an 11 year old. (laughs) That's so brutal. Yeah. And but when I came here at 11, you know, my I thought it was the weirdest thing that you guys had air conditioning everywhere. (laughs) The weirdest thing or greatest thing The greatest thing, ever. thing but also weird. I was like, everybody's super rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in my head, you don't think, like, I was thinking that way because in Bolivia, only the, the wealthiest of the wealthiest are able to have air conditioning. Oh, shit. Yeah, like, it's not common. It's just not a, th- I mean. What kind of, like, city, village, like, what were you living in Bolivia? It was what a was city, okay. La Paz. Okay. And we didn't live in the city area. We lived, like, in the outside of the city so let's say like i don't know it would be like the westport area or something right (laughs) instead of like being downtown Mm -hmm. um but and i don't know like it was just it's a third world country so it's definitely doesn't have the luxury buildings and lifestyle that we had here especially in 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 like 1988 and all those places and i mean i mean back in the day but um yeah, so I thought it was really cool. Oh, you guys had air conditioning everywhere. Yeah, it must have been awesome. Right? <laughs> it, it was awesome, but I was, but I was like, whoa, like they have it really good here. So you start appreciating life in a different lens for sure. What else? What else were you? One other thing. Like- <laughs> okay, so in Bolivia, also, when we drink tea, it's always been hot. Growing up, I've never had cold tea, and when I went to McDonald's <laughs> with my mom, my real mom. <laughs> 
she like i was like i want some tea <laughs> and she was like okay and it was iced tea and right. i was like what is this nonsense <laughs> and then i and i drank it and i was like this is so good oh shit i, I fell in love with it, it was like the sweet tea oh that's <laughs> uh, so sweet it's so good it's so i have to mix that like half and half that rust is just too sugary but it's just sweet tea in general i was mind oh, people blown. love mcdonald's sweet tea or people just, love it yeah but the, mcdonald's itself yeah great but like just Iced tea in general. I love iced tea. I was mind blown that that was a thing. Oh, yeah? I didn't know about it until I was 12, basically. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Game changer (laughs) on drinking tea. Hell yeah. Um, But yeah, so it took me a while to learn English. I didn't become fluent until I was 16. Was so your mom pissed off? Like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be here ready to speak English. and you <laughs> No, she wasn't because, okay. I mean, they, the the plan was for me to be in an American school, but the tuition was so high that my mom... Oh, I didn't know maybe if your aunt and uncle were telling her, oh, yeah, 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 we, she's learning English just fine. We got her in a, <laughs> well, an American school. <laughs> and then no. send her up there and like, no habla. <laughs> <laughs> I knew three words, by the way. It was help, bathroom, and cake. Why cake? Because I like cake. Why not? <laughs> you really like cake. I Help love bathroom cake. and cake. All right. I mean, well, you were 11, so. I was, I was 11. What 11 girl doesn't like cake? <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah. But, not, I mean, it wasn't a surprise to them because, well, my mom and my stepdad at the time. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I was in private school and they did have an English class. But everybody teaches English or Spanish in any school. Um. Yeah. So, so you get fluent by sixteen. Yeah, fluent. Wait, but you didn't go to New Jersey. You came here. No, to Kansas City. My mom. I was thinking Jersey the whole time, but okay. no. Eventually, my mom, while I was living in Bolivia as a kid, she moved to um Kansas City. She went on a road trip with her friend at the time, and um, they saw how much cheap it was to live in Kansas City compared to Jersey. Shh. <laughs> like. And she was like, oh, I'm not going to live in Jersey anymore. No, I'm going to move here. And she <coughs> moved here. And ever since then, we've been here. <laughs> but, I mean, it is pretty cheap <laughs> compared to Jersey, I'm sure. Compared to a lot of places. Yeah. Kansas City is great. I love Kansas City. Me too. Mm-hmm. Do you so, go back to Bolivia? I went last year. Nice. That was the first time in seven years. that to, I To go visit your family? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it a thing where I go every year. Hopefully, not th- hopefully this year, but probably won't <laughs> because yeah. of, uh, you know, what's happening. In the Are world. you a citizen at all? A Bolivian city citizen? Yeah. Basically. And are an, oh, an American citizen? Are you a dual citizen? Are yeah. you an American citizen? Mm-hmm. So would you be able to travel? Is there like, because there's a travel ban, right? The only reason why I say that is because like I would have to quarantine and oh. I don't think I can be gone that long. <laughs> Because I am still working. You can go time. there, but then you have to like sit in a hotel for two mm-hmm. weeks or something. Ugh. So it's like, is it even worth going? No. Exactly. So I probably won't go this year, but I would like to go. But, you know, it, it happens. Kansas City loves you. <laughs> I see you. him. I see him out there. You have, I see Tiki Tuesday, all your people in there, and it's, it's packed a lot. And then I saw you at your Westport Cafe, and it was all <laughs> your people. Like people love you. How cool is that? that it's you're really just like fun. this bartender that people love, and they want. Hey, make me drinks, Tiki D. <laughs> Pick me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with service too. 
And if you don't have that, you know, welcoming vibe and smile, I feel like people aren't really going to want to <laughs> come support that much. But it's also about community. I feel like people right now are trying to show a lot of support and love to a lot of the service industry people because mm-hmm. our industry is definitely ha- has had it the hardest throughout the pandemic. And there's restaurants and places going out of business left and right. Um, so I think with my pop-ups that I'm doing in Kansas City, in a way I'm trying to support those local establishments and bring, you know, people in for that for a slow Sunday or a slow Tuesday mm-hmm. and make it into a, like, a little tiny tiki event. And, um, you know, obviously with safety precautions because we still have to be safe about it and, you know, have fun and have some cocktails and transport you away <laughs> but it's been fun because a lot of people are coming out and supporting me and supporting the establishment and the next one that I'm doing is this month at Dotson's in Waldo on the Tuesday the 27th so that's going to be another tiki takeover I'm going to deck it all out tiki style tiki yeah, I love your tiki. yeah so that goes part of the tiki too the whole culture it's more than just <laughs> It's more than just the drinks, but there's a whole vibe, and you get it's that vibe, vibe with, with more yeah. than just the drinks. Yeah, is that tropical escapism. <laughs> but there's also actually like a lot of sub uh, parts of tiki. There's like space tiki, Whoa. which is super, like Disney tiki. You can go and What's like... A Dis- tell me Disney tiki. What the heck Disney? does that mean? Like It's all like Winnie the Pooh themed and Buzz no, Lightyear? Or? It's like more like Star Wars. Yeah. That's very... There's a... And I'm um, not a Star Wars guy. Yeah, I like Star Wars. Most I, people do. <laughs> I'm in the minority. I'm not. A, it's fine. I don't hate it, but I'm not a Star Wars geek. Like there's dudes that got tattoos of fucking Chewbacca and shit on their arms. I'm like, bro, <laughs> it was a fine movie, I guess, back <laughs> in the '70s or whenever it came out. But mm-hmm. it was really big in Bolivia when Star Wars came out. Okay. Yeah, because I saw Star Wars when I was little, and I was like, whoa, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, Tiki definitely has a lot of little sub parts of it, which is really cool. So you can go at it at any s- angle, in a sense. So it's like punk Tiki and all this cool stuff. What like makes them punk? <laughs> punk? But it's still like an islandy theme, but like what separates it from like Star Wars and, and punk or whatever else like what what distinguishes the difference between i think so tiki is also very collectible like their mugs Mm -hmm. there's menus there's theme menus in a sense so you can really do that with the subcultures within tiki so when you have like a theme bar specifically that's tiki but it's let's say it's like trader sam's and disney world i believe um it's a tiki bar um, you know, obviously they're going to have like, um, mugs that are like Disney style. Um, so I think you can do a lot of collect collectibles with it, Okay, which is really f- the fun part of Tiki is I, being I, able I, to yeah, do that. That would be fun. Yeah. And so you went to this bar that was a specific theme, but it was a Tiki bar. You can collect mugs, swizzle sticks, pens from it, put that in your bar, right? Your home bar. And then you go to another bar in let's say Arizona and a different type of theme tiki bar are you you supposed are you supposed to or are you is the idea behind some of these tiki bars with like the tiki looking designer mugs 
are those like encouraged to be bought by patrons or are those just to be there like like um, you're saying for these get collectibles well how do i get one of these oh yeah they're always in display like and for sale usually like on these oh yeah okay and i think with tiki though like most people expect like if you are not like if you know about tiki and you've been around the block <laughs> following it you just know that most tiki bars will have something for you to take home specifically a mug okay um so that'd be cool yeah in our bar like tiki cat we had we've had at least six types of mugs from different artists oh, that, nice. that would make um you know obviously the design work and then we get it produced by tiki farm and you know we would sell them for our anniversaries or for random releases and i think that's like the special part about being a tiki um, enthusiast I would say being co- collecting all these mugs and limited editions and stuff. So, yeah, your Tiki Tuesday is kind of like just a taste mm-hmm. a of what a Tiki, a tiki. <laughs> tiki bar is really yes. like. Yes. And hopefully one day I'll have my bar. It That's your goal, right? Is to have your own bar? A Tiki yes. bar? Um, In a sense, yeah. Okay. Definitely Tiki drinks. But I want it to be more catering to the culture of the rums more too because they're such the rums have such a rich history from you know all over the world and um specifically like you know i'm 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 a latina woman so i want to be able to showcase my heritage more in is rum a latin drink rum is a spirit (laughs) but well but i mean you can make rum everywhere in the world like there is no rules on where you, know, you I can know that, make rum. Yeah, when I think of rum, you know, I always think of, you know. Yeah, people think that, but. Caribbean. Right. Caribbean no, you islands and There's shit. rum everywhere. There's really no rule on where to make it, um, which is the beautiful part about it. But Latin America's got uh, oh, a, yeah. a rum scene? Oh, yeah, we do. Okay. Definitely. Um, but, you know, there's French rums. And, you know, there's rums everywhere, mm-hmm. which I love. I remember talking about. Uh, last tuesday about the rum agricole <laughs> that grass rum yeah oh my that's my favorite gosh, that rum. shit is some funky stuff i liked I love it, it. <laughs> but that was yeah I, I like the plantation stuff we had the week before yeah plantations barbados five <clears throat> year very smooth yeah like i i'm very ignorant when it comes to rum mm-hmm. i i don't know how many people rum's one of those things that i don't think many people explore I think a lot of people just just do the main. They think of you know whiskey is a big one, mm-hmm. scotch is a big one, uh, tequila is is getting a little bit more traction these days with like you know the Don Julios and uh, El Patron and stuff like that. And but I don't ever you know I worked in a pretty fancy liquor store for a while, and nobody ever messes with the rum. When they do, it's cracking. I it's think, Captain Morgan's. Right. You know, I think rum just has a really <clears throat> bad rap, from this, you know, because people aren't really um, have been taught about rum. Yeah, for sure. That's and I think Tiki helps that mm-hmm. build that bridge. And there's a rum for everybody out there. <laughs> yeah. There's all types of rums. And that's the cool thing about rum, in my opinion. Um, but people just classify it as a sweet spirit or something. It's like, no, there's so many types of rums out there. And there's a rum for you. <laughs> yeah. You just got to keep going. Yeah. Search. If you drink alcohol, <laughs> you'll find one. Yeah. You'll find exactly. one at your life. And also, like I said, like the book Smuggler's Cove, 
it's a really great book to have if you're trying to get into rum because it really does break down the types of rums like where they come from how they taste um, how they were distilled and so if you know if you want to learn about rum and try to find your you know your rum definitely grab that book it's a it's a good book <laughs> yeah you always have is that the book you have yeah i always there? i always have that book on tiki tuesdays out on display and it's got a yeah. ton of and then on, on your tiki tuesdays you always pick what one drink out of that book to yeah. make uh-huh. along with, with the rest of your drinks yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool it's funny because people are like okay what's the special this tuesday yeah you know i'll be like oh we'll let's do a barbados punch or uh don's own grog <laughs> so it's it's fun and they're letting me um the owners at Mimi are letting me you know order this rum so thank you <laughs> because it's obviously not related to our agave spirit so mm-hmm. that's really nice of them to let me kind of explore and do my own thing besides working there <laughs> yeah and you're still selling the other stuff i mean yeah the, i'm still the, selling them. <laughs> i love the meme mule drinks yes um the summer menu was was amazing what was that one you, uh the mojito the the mo yeah the spicy it was it's i love mojitos but this is a different mojito this isn't your average mojito and it's spicy and we, then there was the cucumber one we infuse it with jalapenos and cucumbers yeah and meme mule and then you put, didn't, didn't you drop like, mm-hmm. and then drop like spicy? It was a habanero tincture. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> to make it more spicy. Yes. It was already spicy. It's so <laughs> good. I never knew I liked spicy drinks. Mm-hmm. And now the fall menu is phenomenal. I had the hot cider, whatever. The, hot, the country roads. <laughs> country roads. And it's got like this thick crust of it's a cinnamon and nutmeg or something yeah, it's on the a, rim. it's sugar and cinnamon oh and it's mm-hmm. and when you take a sip the crust of that stuff hits your lips and as the same time as the liquid hits it's like you're eating and drinking uh, uh apple pie <laughs> that's awesome it's so I'm glad good. you like it that's the best <laughs> and that's your creation right yeah I love apple cider. There's a so. yeah, there's a few there's a few uh, menus on the fall item that were all created by all the different bartenders, correct? Mm-hmm. And then that one was yours. Yeah. Oh, so good. What are the other ones on there for? Uh, we you'll, so you have the Sleepy Hollow by Chrissy. She, um, it's really good. It's like like a coconut spice forward cocktail. Um, so it has orange curacao, coconut cream, a pumpkin spice syrup, um, and the gold. Uh, mean meal it's so so good and has a nutmeg on top so you get that little like christmas vibes in a sense and then el bandito if you're like chill if you like uh, sweet and spicy definitely that drink is your go-to so we uh, infuse ancho chili peppers and Mm. we use a little bit of chinar and it's delicious then we also have a ace in a hole which is Ginger syrup, um, Aperol, and silver. Very refreshing, simple. Kind of like a daiquiri in a sense where it's just served up, simple, delicious. And then we also have our classics, obviously. Um, and then the Night Whisper is the one that's really popular right now, too. It's really pretty, too. It's it's a purple little drink. It comes with an edible flower from missing ingredients that, that we get from. Um, it has lavender, um and uh violet liqueur so it's very aromatic and our silver agave delicious if you're looking for something really cute and fancy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and delicious too 
but yeah so those are that's basically all of our cocktails that we created and then we also have our classics like the margarita paloma mean meal yeah and then sangria <laughs> for <Ooh>. this fall <laughs> you haven't had the sangria definitely try it it's really boozy yeah mm-hmm. give me some booze <laughs> Give me some booze. That's a crazy story. You've got a crazy life. So how you, do you prefer, I don't know. Do you prefer air conditioning over non-air conditioning? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. It's a, it's really cool that we're able to do that. You know, it's it's the little things that um, make you appreciate mm-hmm. where you are, where you're from. So I like going back home too because you realize like how good we have it in a sense here, you know, and um, compare it over there. Like when I've talked to my family recently, with the pandemic happening, it's it's really taken a toll on them mentally because, you know, it was already a third world country, but now you're seeing people in the streets not being able to um, take care of themselves. You know, they have corona and and oh, um, they no. have kids with them and they're they're dying, you know, of corona or something like related. And there's kids in the streets right now everywhere. It's just like really taking a toll on the country. And, you know, we don't see that here. Not at all. <laughs> You'll never. Not yeah. at all. And over there, it's <clears throat> so. It was already like that when I lived there, you know, and it's gotten worse through the pandemic. So I can only imagine how, you know, it, how sad and horrifying it's to be able to live right now over there. Is the pan- the pandemic's hitting them pretty hard? Absolutely. Like Jeez. the like the families, you know. Oh, and, wow. I didn't even, um, yeah, you don't even think about that. Like mm-hmm. how how these countries like that are handling it. Like we're worried about our numbers and stuff like that, but we got the best health care there is. To a certain extent. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty but good. But you, but nobody, you know, not everybody not, has insurance. No, not everybody <laughs> has it. I don't. <laughs> you don't. Mm-mm. Damn. I used to have it for Tiki Cat. And then Tiki Cat. <laughs> so, since now you're, so are you trying to find a, like, what are you trying to, what are you going to do about that? Like, are you, are you concerned about that? Are you trying to, uh, yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm not going to put, never mind. Forget I asked that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to, I don't, yeah, that's, just, that's a bad question in case your employers are, but you do want to open up your own place one time. So soon, that's like your goal. Yeah. That would be dope. That would be really that's, cool. I mean, that's the next step, right? And eventually have my family here. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, yeah? Would you like that? Would you like I to have them up here? That. Would they want to come up here? Of course. But, you know, they don't know any English. So it would be <clears> really hard for them to start over, basically, from scratch. I'm the youngest one in my whole family. Yeah, if you start your own tiki bar, you can just hire them. <laughs> Bring but them there's up so here. many laws. <laughs> there are? You know, visa. You have to get a visa. Oh, they, and okay. I work. It's too many loopholes. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I wish it's a dream of mine to be reunited with my family someday. You have like always a, been my dream to go back home, buy a mansion for all of us, <laughs> so we can all live together again, or just you know, um, be able to support them in a sense where they don't have to worry about where where um the next meal is going to come from Mm. or how they're going to make it because a little side story bolivia right now doesn't have a president (laughs) yeah in december the president ever morales um he got kicked out because of the elections that were happening at the time 
a lot of corruption was happening in both parties. And so he had to flee the country and um, Mexico took him in. Um, what's that called when like a president has to leave because <laughs> like, uh, he basically got impeached. Yeah. But he also had to flee the country because they wanted to kill him. Damn. Yeah. So Mexico um, took him in. And um, so right now they've had this lady. I forgot her name. I don't really follow the politics much besides from what my family tells me. But there's this lady, obviously, who when after the vice president quit, like everybody on his party quit. Right. And so the only party left was the right. And um, that was the party that was against Evo. And so right now they have this lady who's been in charge this whole time. And they were supposed to have elections in March, but then Corona happened. Oh. So they don't have a president until <laughs> this day. Is it, do we have a stable government? Oh, of course. Like, if anywhere, imagine if, imagine if our government collapsed. <laughs> it would be crazy here. I feel like people would think that they can do whatever they want. And right now, it's happening over there. My family actually worked, in a sense, for the government. One of my cousins was <coughs> a, a marketing director for one for the the cultural um, programs for Bolivia, and then I had another cousin who was the ambassador for uh, I forgot how you say it in English, but it was like a cultural like bringing people in from other countries to showcase your culture. Okay, I forgot uh, the liaison. Name I I think so, but anyways, everybody who worked for the government ambassador, or, yeah. They all got fired. <laughs> and that's just how it works in other countries. There is no system of, you know, like you can't just fire people here left and right because you you don't like what they believe or who they stand for polit- political way. Um, over there, yeah, if you're not on their side, they'll just fire you. <laughs> and that's what happened because my family, you know, was obviously an Evo advocate. And... Um, yeah, so, so they don't have jobs, and they haven't had a job since January. <laughs> so what are they doing? Um, odd you, jobs here? Like how? Yeah, do you my cousin's doing odd jobs, like video jobs randomly, um, and I'm I'm also helping them Yeah. throughout the pandemic. It's been rough on them, for sure. And we, we luckily have a house that we used to rent out, or still do in a sense. Um, so they're getting rent money through those people. Is it political unrest? Is it like going to be some kind of takeover type thing? Or is there like shit going on? Apparently there's supposed to be a new election in November. Of yeah, but they're supposed to have one in March. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had to like, they had to like pause it. If you read into it, it's kind of crazy. Um, a lot of people think it was a military coup that happened in Bolivia this past year. Um AOC is behind it like she's totally un- like saying that it that did happen Bernie Sanders came out with a statement saying it happened and I mean <coughs> who bo- staged it um <laughs> they think you know obviously the government the the military side they've always okay. never wanted Evo to be president he, he was actually the first indigenous president in the world okay um what didn't they like about him that he was indigenous well, you know, surprisingly not in Bolivia, there's a lot of racism in the way your skin color is. Even though we're the same, you know, Bolivian culture, if you're lighter, 
obviously you're better apparently to them and there is racism with like if you're darker you're indigenous and you're considered like from the poor from the villages it's a really sad um what do they assume if you're lighter that you've mixed with mixed with french or something mixed with yeah spanish or you know like a long time ago like many 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 generations ago bolivia has or south america in general has its own type of discrimination and racism that's very different to here in a sense. Oh, yeah. Racism isn't anything new or, or American-centric. Yeah. Racism is all over the world. It's crazy. But it's, it's just crazy to issue. me that it's like literally the same. <laughs> the same bl- race, the but same just race, different shades. Just different shades. <laughs> and last names, too. Okay. So if you have a certain last name, like a, um, there's like very indigenous names. So you just know they're indigenous. Like my last name, for example, Condori. Um, it goes way back to the Incas, and obviously they're indigenous, very hard indigenous. And so my last name, I never lived through that in Bolivia, but my family, they had to hide a few times, like they're like because they have an indigenous back back last name. Yeah, because they would get discriminated against. Are jobs. they darker? Because you don't look dark at all. No, they weren't dark. They just had the last name. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, hopefully we can, you know, we can squeeze by, float by here with our light skin color. I, you just have yeah. to change your last it's, name. Oh, it, was, it was crazy because, um, you know, you won't get hired for jobs or you won't get invited to parties. It was like, it's a social thing and it's really sad. But I never lived through that. It was when my fam- my, my aunt and my mom would tell me stories that they had, like, in school, they had, like, you know, like school sessions and stuff of like people with certain last names. Oh, whoa. Yeah. We'll go to different. So instead of like here, we had like the white schools and the black schools there. It was, it was the last name of this and the last names of that. Very, very. But with all different color, because theoretically you could have all, you could have like indigenous names, but with all different shades Mm -hmm. and same with the other side, but different shades, but do it. It doesn't make sense. I know (laughs) it doesn't make sense. I think it's more like a class system, right? At that that point. If that's how it goes. In a way. Yeah. So that's a, it's. I think racism oftentimes around the world is disguised as a class issue. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's all boils down to class. I mean, just so often it's more of a class thing than a. Yeah, it's yeah. Bolivia has a lot of Bolivia. Is that where the women wear those bowler hats? Bowler hats. The bowler hats, like the little ball hat. Oh yeah. (coughs) So their name is Cholitas. Cholitas, Cholitas yes, yes, yes. And they're the mostly indigenous ladies. And they live in are they mount? Is that like a mountainous? They live in mountain areas mostly, and they wear this really like like five pairs of skirts. Yes. Yeah, they're literally because it's so cold up there. That's why oh. they wear five. Yeah. They're like really thick skirts. I see them on TV. And they put five. And it looks really cool. Yeah. But now I know the reason. It's because it's so cold up there, you <laughs> idiot. Duh. Yeah, that's why they wear so many <laughs> skirts. You're like, why do they have so many skirts on? Yeah, well, I'm just, I look. you look at it on TV and it's like, oh, it looks nice. It's sunny. It's... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, the Cholitas are badasses. Definitely. Um, but yeah, no, Cholitas, they actually... There's this show, I think Vice did it. It's like Cholita Wrestling. Oh, shit. Yeah, there's some Cholitas that wrestle in Bolivia. I'm surprised I haven't seen that. I'm a big <laughs> Vice fan. Yeah, you should watch it. Vice kind of sucks now, but they used to be really good. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they have some good things. Yeah, I think they do. 
I think those Cholitas have a special alcoholic drink that they make there that they make with their spit. Does that sound familiar? It does. Like they chew something up and then spit it out. I know what you're talking about, but I forgot the name. Yeah. I know like the Bolivia. It's like a beer, but I don't think it's like super alcoholic, but I think it's like a beer, maybe a few percent, but I don't know. Kind of like whatever they're drinking is probably moonshine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything like close to that, you know? Does Bolivia have a big drinking culture? Oh, yes. Oh, really? They're all alcoholics. <laughs> really? Is that yeah? Like, it's what, what? uh, it's kind of like sad and good in a way, <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, because there's drunks everywhere, all over the street, and I grew up just seeing people pass out everywhere on the streets all the time. There's always a celebration for something, fireworks every single day. <laughs> oh, really? There's literally no rules for that in Bolivia. There's literally a, it's party. a third world country. You guys have yeah. very little rules, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is literally no rules yet. So there's a party every day. Um, obviously not anymore because of Corona, but Damn no, corona. definitely a drinking culture, but they don't really care about fancy drinks or anything like that. They just want beer just, shots yeah. and they, they just get drunk. Get fucked up. My family was never like that though. We, um, yeah, my family was very like straightforward. Like we never really were a party family so it's kind of funny because i'm a bartender right <laughs> and when i told them what i do they were like what you're a bartender like so you make money off of that because over there it's not really a job <laughs> a real job in a sense because it doesn't really exist there's a no bar- bars over there i mean there's bars but like it's usually but like the might- server is the bartender there's not really like a culture of um Hey, let's go down and get drinks at the bar. Yeah. Is there not like that? Like, hey. There's like touristic bars, I would say. Okay. Tourist bars and there's bartenders there, but Mm -hmm. they don't take it seriously. You know, it's just a bar where the tourists go. There is a bartender, but they're not going to like go all out. Like, you know. Right. They're just going to serve what they need to serve to get the tourists drunk. Sure. (laughs) That's all people want. Yeah. On vacation. And so, you know, when I tell them what I do here and they're like, you make money <laughs> like that much money i'm like yeah bartenders make pretty good money or server like the industry in general like compared to what they make over there <laughs> you know mm. in general like on a real like they have a career job and i'm making that much money as a server i like 21 to 26 and being able to help them it's like mind-blowing they're like how does that work <laughs> get, get your ass up here i'll teach you i'll teach you <laughs> no it's fine though put the lime in the coconut to drink it all up <laughs> but no it's i like bartending it's fun to be able to meet people from all over the world talk to them and you know being able to have that connection with people i met so many people throughout my life now and i think it's because I've been a bartender mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's definitely. Well, it definitely suits your personality. I mean, there's plenty of bartenders out there that are just there to make the drinks and mm-hmm. give me your $1 for each drink I make or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're definitely, yeah, you're, you're a people person. I just love meeting people too. And yeah. I've always wanted to travel my whole entire life. Like that would be a dream of mine. Right. Mm-hmm. But the best way to travel, I feel like right now for me, or it's like through bartending. It's like I get to meet people. It's like their own little world, right? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're your own world. I want to get to know your world. <laughs> and I think that's why I find it so fun and fascinating 
um, to get to learn from other people. But yeah. Yeah. That's, well, <laughs> basically what this podcast is same way, same thing. Like, yeah. There's a whole other world I'm looking at right mm-hmm. now. I've, 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 that's funny. I've described that the same way. Like, uh, yeah, there are infinite amount of worlds out there. As long <laughs> as there's an infinite amount of people, we all have our own yeah. perspective and how we go through this world, go through this life with our thoughts and theories and mm-hmm. beliefs, whatever, mm-hmm. interactions. Exactly. But besides that, you know, I am rock and rolling. <laughs> the, um, you know, eventually, hopefully, we find an end hole to this a situation in the world and pandemic i think june you think june i think june i hope so i'm it's really sad to see the service industry struggle so i wanted to come to yeah, an yeah i i hate that i that was yeah one of the biggest things that that i was really concerned with because i spent many years bartending mm-hmm. serving like i was in that industry for a long time like that was my main source of income in my early 20s mm-hmm and I, th- I you know i think now like what would i what would have happened to me well if i was doing that while this happened like i would have been i don't know i've been freaking out like, i did freak out for f- just freaking out what do i do mm-hmm. like it's I, I don't know and then yeah it's fine i i would have been cool with it for i shut us down for a couple weeks right but now like some places still aren't i think most places are doing some kind of soft open or you know <clears throat> light open type stuff but for sure. Um, like Kansas sadly, City's lucky. We've been... We've been super lucky lately. I just feel like the most recent one that really hits, I think, Kansas City is the Rieger. Mm-hmm. The Rieger is closing its doors on the 31st of this month. And that... Oh, wow. The Rieger KC. No, I know. I know yeah. That, yeah, no, I know right where it's at. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. Don't they have another one, too? No. Yeah, they do, but it's a little bit separate ownership, I believe. Okay. I don't really know. I haven't been the one in the crossroads. I've been to the other one. Yeah. With the slide. But it's really sad to me because they've done so much for the community in Kansas City mm. while the pandemic was happening and That's everybody right. got laid off. I got laid off. They did stuff. You know, they they were given free meals. Yes, Every that's single right. day from 4 o'clock, I believe, to it, 8. If you're in the service And industry. I actually went a few times because I was like... Uh, I personally felt like I need to save every single cent I'm getting right. from unemployment because I don't know what's going to happen. And so, and I lived right down the street. So I would walk there with my friend from the industry too, and we would get our free meal. They did so much for Kansas city for the mm-hmm. service industry. Yep. They fed the homeless while the pandemic was happening. So I when there was a big, when there was a big shortage of hand sanitizer, they, they were them. one of the first ones that made a whole bunch mm-hmm. of just, we're going to make a whole bunch of hand sanitizer yeah. and give it out to you guys. They were amazing. Um, Damn. And it's just sad to see that. Oh, happen. come on. Karma, where you at? <laughs> yeah. Where you at, Karma? That's why I don't I believe know. in that shit. Oh, come on. Yeah, it's really sad. So you have a few, you know, weeks to go support them until, the, you know, the lights turn off oh no yeah i'm well, hoping we lost nara too huh we lost nara too nara yeah i love that place too mm, I'm yeah, so i'm so surprised about that too. Uh, yeah that was like the spot like mm-hmm. that was the hip spot for sushi everybody wanted to go there yeah there's been a few spots and it's just like really sad i think this winter is going to be really really dark because the patios are really what are keeping a lot of restaurants afloat too. Mm. Um, having that extra seating helps a People lot. People feel safer out exactly. there. Exactly. And I think 
it's gonna get a little bit worse in a sense but hopefully not hopefully people still support you know each establishment by either getting carry out or getting the cocktail kits to go um you know and if you're comfortable going out definitely go support local 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 (laughs) and if you're not comfortable going out get comfortable going out yeah it's fine like if you want to take safety precautions precautions, but it's fine if you get it it's still chances are it's going to be fine chances are you're going to be asymptomatic if you're not asymptomatic you're probably going to be fine it's going to suck for a couple weeks probably not even that long Mm -hmm. a few days where it really sucks but then you'll get over it and it'll Mm -hmm. just it's just you know yeah I, i i feel like you know that's that's true but also i think it's more to it, I think, anxiety that people have. It yeah. really takes a toll. So, you know, if that's going to give anxiety, definitely just chill <laughs> at home then. Yeah, I guess. Get over it. <coughs> Get over it. Take your Xanax and go out and support <laughs> these people. I mean, this is our community. That's true. This is our community. This is our this is our co- economy mm-hmm. as well. Like, mm-hmm. I'm very concerned with, with Kansas City because we've had... I was here, you know, I've been here for a long time, and I remember when you would go downtown and it was a ghost town Mm -hmm. before COVID, like, you know, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, you'd go down there and it was a fucking ghost town. There was nobody down. There wasn't shit to do. There was no power and light. Mm -hmm. There there was nothing. There was no rail system. There was just not. It sucked. Mm -hmm. It was just like first Fridays. (laughs) Yeah. That was a thing to do. Yeah. Every first Fridays. And and now it's it's continually just growing, steady and steady, and they're still building. I was just at Messenger Cafe uh, this week, and there's that market thing that they've been building there. Mm-hmm. And I looked up, like, what exactly is going to go there? And it's going to be, like, this this city market type thing with, like, 20 vendors, like, 20 restaurant vendors in there. Where? It's right in between the Kansas City Star Building and Messenger Cafe. Oh, wow. Like, or, like, if you're, if, if you got, you know Messenger Cafe. Yeah. You go on the roof, and if you look towards, like, the Kansas City Star Building, go to the right a little bit. It's like that big, huge, double, that two-story brick building. Badass. It's huge. You know, it's like that. They're turning into something dope. So kind of like a parlor in a sense? I think, but way bigger. I think there's also going to be, like, office buildings and some other things in there. Mm, That'd be cool. But I don't know how they expect... It's a weird time. Yeah. For sure. I see all these other places in the crossroads, all these other apartments and office buildings building up all over. Yeah. And it's like they obviously started this pre-pandemic. Right. And it looks like they're going to complete these. But what's going to happen? Like how I just I, I'm concerned with how they're going to be able to fill a lot of this real estate, you mm-hmm. know, I'm making, plans, bro. I like <laughs> making plans. But if they got money to spend, like where's that money coming from? Like, right. The and rent the, better be super cheap. Like how but else the be rent's able to do really it? expensive in Crossroads too. It's crazy. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's so expensive. It can't be like they're gonna have yeah, to fix that. Exactly. There's definitely a gap. <laughs> and that's why I'm I'm thinking that's what's maybe that will be like the silver lining for this pandemic is maybe some places will get super cheap. Mm-hmm. For I I don't know. I guess that probably just really benefits the wealthy, anyways. Yeah. If you got money to spend now, buy up this shit now, save it for later. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you do, right? 
I need yeah. money, Tiki. Do you give me a few million dollars? <laughs> you give me a few million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make it. I'm struggling. No, I'm not struggling. I'm thankful for what I'm. I'm able to survive, live comfortably, eat every day, take a shower. That's. I'm thankful. And your so, air conditioning. Yeah, and air conditioning and iced tea. <laughs> for a dollar fifty, right? I think. I yeah, know. I think it's a dollar. Any a size drink. One. Any size drink at McDonald's is a dollar. That's so crazy. Yep. It's so cheap to eat there. <laughs> it is. But so bad. <laughs> yeah. It's very hard. We need to, to make healthy food more affordable. <sighs> yeah. I yeah, they do. It's very, very hard to eat healthy on a budget. Mm-hmm. There's ways to do it, I think, but I think those ways are like a pain in the ass. Right. I mean, it's easier for people to just go on a drive-thru and get really bad food for you and then go to a drive-thru and get really healthy food. Or it's easier and cheaper. I can go, che- I yeah, go exactly. to McDonald's. They're, they're everywhere, I, too. I'll go. I'll drive through McDonald's. If I want to get filled, if I just want to watch my wallet and just get filled up on protein and calories, you can do it for $4. Mm-hmm. I'll get four chicken sandwiches or four cheeseburgers or something like yeah. that. It's cheap. You know what's funny? Fun fact um, there's no McDonald's in Bolivia. I was going to ask about that. <laughs> you guys got anything? Uh... We have Burger King, <laughs> which is really big over there, surprisingly. And we have Subway, Quiznos. I know, weird. Um, and that's pretty, and the other like random chain restaurants. But funny enough, like here in America, we like eat McDonald's as a normal thing or, you know, fast food. It's just normal in south america everybody cooks there's when you go out to dinner or any place in general it has to be for a special event and i remember like growing up in bolivia the only time we went to burger king was when it was like somebody's birthday okay and it was so it was like once a year and it was a big deal Was it, like it the was, American menu? Um, yeah, because like, oh, it's a little slice of America. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's how it felt. And I and, the, and you get the little toys, too. Oh, yeah. You remember? Yeah. It, and as a kid, you're like, this is so dope. <laughs> and um, so it was really like a special moment to go to Burger King. And <laughs> it's funny because here we don't take it that way. It's normal. It's there's no like taboo or anything about it over there it is so if you go to McBurger king all the time over there you either are really wealthy because because they're american prices and also um it's just weird like you don't <laughs> do that over there it's not common <clears throat> at mm-hmm. all and that's why Mac- uh, mcdonald's never made it so there's no McDonald's in Bolivia, but there's McDonald's everywhere in the world except mm-hmm. Bolivia. No, really? Yeah. There's <laughs> actually an article about oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's really cool. You should read it. Um, but there's a Burger King. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's funny how here in America, it's so normal just to do that. In Bolivia, we eat a three course meal in a sense every day. Um, home cooked, homemade usually. Ev- yes. I grew up. Yeah, my, my aunt used to cook every single day. Soup as an entree. What kind of soup? All types of soup. Uh, it could be vegetable soup. It could be chicken noodle soup. <laughs> there are so many types. And then she'll, you know, and then dinner. And then for like a little snack, it'll be like maybe 
like a little pie or something. Ooh. But we also ate dinner at in Bolivia. It's coming to eat dinner at 1 p.m. 1 p.m.? <laughs> what time do you wake up and go to bed? I mean. What, what, what do you mean? How's that dinner? Like, what time's breakfast? Seven a.m. when you wake yeah, up. Yeah, in Bolivia, <clears throat> it's a it's a very working country. Like, if you're either but one p.m. is like that's like a late lunch. That's when we had dinner. That's why a lot of people in South America or in, in Bolivia in general are very small, because you eat din- dinner times at one o'clock and everybody goes is it home. Long? Okay, at like noon, like twelve thirty, to go eat dinner and then they all go back to work. Oh wow! Or school sometimes too. There's like midday school and you'll, so they'll let you go home, get dinner and come back to school. It's just not like a long dinner. Like, you know, some it's cultures a, will do a, like a three hour dinner or something no, like that. You it's know? like an hour. That's a long dinner. It's okay. a long, I mean, yeah, it takes time to go there, okay, eat yeah, yeah. dinner and then go back to work. And right? then you don't eat after, like then you'll have a snack maybe before yeah, bed. Exactly. And so around um, six o'clock, seven o'clock, we'll have tea. Mm-hmm. Every single night, and it would be like a little piece of cheese or bread and tea. Okay. And then we go to bed. <laughs> that was my life when I was in Bolivia, and it was so common to that. So when I came here, um, I was kind of expecting that, I guess, because I was eleven. I didn't know what to expect when I came to yeah, America. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> the first thing I had was McDonald's. <laughs> when I came, my mom was like, "What do you want to eat? You can eat whatever you want." And I was like, mm. "She was like, we can go to McDonald's." And I was, I was like, "That's that's what I want." Because you, as a kid, you're like, "Oh, I see it all the time on the commercials. You saw it, like, you know." And I was like, "Yeah, that's what I want. I'm in America. Yeah, and? it's American food." <laughs> was it good? Was it everything you wanted? It was so good. Would you get the Happy Meal? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and um. It was funny because, like, for the first three months that I met my mom for the first time, that's literally all we did, go to McDonald's. And I was like... Because she knew it made you happy. She was like, yeah. I wish I could do this for, like, I got to buy this girl's love. What so am I going to do? Though. How am I going to okay, start this? Because I was really... I was a healthy kid, too, though, in Bolivia. I was very healthy. And we walked everywhere in Bolivia. Like, we didn't have a car. We walked everywhere. And, you know, coming here, we have a car... I get healthy. I'm like, oh man, this is America. <laughs> Later on in life, you know, I realized that's not really healthy. But as a kid, you're just like, hell yeah. Right, yeah. I'll eat all the McDonald's. McDonald's, <laughs> air conditioning, and a car. <laughs> and tea. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my mom definitely was trying to win my love in a sense, but I don't blame her. She was trying to get to know me. Oh, I do. And it that too. was a way that she could see, like, my eyes got bright. Like, ooh, McDonald's, that's what I want. And I was really in a funk all the time because I went straight to school when I came. And um, I didn't know any English. It was really, really rough for me. I, you know, and I got bullied a lot when I was a kid. And she could tell, like, I've been crying all day. So she would just take me to McDonald's. I hated being here. I was yeah. really depressed as a kid, for sure. From 11 to 16, I didn't understand anything. And it was funny, like, after every every day after school, I would go immediately and watch Judge Judy. Ah, uh, yes. Because that was the thing that was on, and I was, and I was so desperate to learn English. So I would grab a dictionary, and I would, like, oh, try to spell out the words that she would say, and I would try to find it. An but English I, dictionary? Yes, an English dictionary. 
and I, I would ask my mom like what did she say and she'd be like she said this and then she would help me by trying to spell out the word like write it as you hear it you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I was I was learning the alphabet obviously mm-hmm. and that was one of the ways I learned by watching Judge Judy and Friends because we didn't have cable so that's what we watched um but yeah no it was really um tough being the american school system not knowing any english so i was in the esl program till i was 16 which is english as a second language okay and um when i was 16 i i graduated to go to normal classes so i took a test saying that i'm proficient in english and able to be in normal classes and that's when i think I started to meet my friends that I'm still friends with now. Oh, nice. And because I was able to be like a normal kid <laughs> in a sense and be in normal classes. But definitely learning English was one of the toughest parts of my life for sure. It's till this day, I'm really bad at writing, <laughs> but I'm really good at understanding it. And a lot of people actually ask me, they're like, you don't really have an accent though when you speak. And I came at the perfect age, I guess, where you're 11 and. I was able to just teach myself really well. I watched a lot of TV. <laughs> and um, so I'm bilingual now. And when I speak Spanish, I don't have an accent. When I speak English, I don't have an accent. So I literally have no accent. I'm just Diana. <laughs> and when I speak it, when I speak English, I'm just Diana. When I speak Spanish, I'm just Diana. There's no accent. That's funny. Sometimes when I get <clears throat> drunk, though, <laughs> you get a... There's a little bit of an accent that comes out, and I start speaking more Spanish somehow. <laughs> Charlie, you remember the coffee dudes we had on here? Uh, the two coffee guys, and one the one dude was from, like, maybe Guatemala or Honduras or something like that. But then he moved, and then he moved to Australia as a kid and then moved back here, like, as an adult. Mm-hmm. So he's, like, he looks a lot like you. Mm-hmm. But he talks perfect English, but with an Australian accent. Oh, really? But then when he gets drunk, his, I don't know, native language starts mixing with it. And all it's just this funny word soup coming out. Same. It's really great. It's weird. I love it. It's I like, feel like, <laughs> I I don't know, for some reason I start like, I want to be more of my cult. I mean, I'm, I'm already Latina, but. When I get drunk, I'm, al- I'm always like trying to play like la- la- Latin music with my friends. I'm like, <laughs> give me that phone. I'm like, we're going to play some salsa, merengue. And they're like, Diana's drunk. And they're like, Diana's drunk. And they're like, <laughs> it's like the man I put, I start putting Hispanic music on. They're like, Diana's drunk. Because <laughs> at first I'm just like chill, you know. And now I'm like, you know, it's time for some salsa. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's funny. And it's funny because I have friends till this day. Um, who have known me before I could speak English. And so I have some really close friends of mine who have seen me grow into the person that I am today. So it's really cool to have those friends because they're always humble. You're like, you've come such a long way, Diana. I remember you when you were, you know, like really scared <laughs> in middle school. You wouldn't talk to anybody. Yeah, obviously I, I, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> and they've seen, obviously, uh, me be able to communicate with them because they met me where I was just like, I didn't know what to say because I didn't know English. <laughs> didn't know how to say it. Yeah. What do or I say? Anything. How do I say it? It was really rough. So they've seen me, you know, grow. And so I really appreciate those friends. It's kind of cool being friends with them still. Because I'm like, yeah, they knew me before I could speak English. <laughs> you're so young, too. Like, I'm thinking here, what an interesting life. But you're only 26 and still have so much 
more ahead of you with with such a cool little story <laughs> that you have so far like that's makes for some good character and mm-hmm. that's awesome thank you yeah how fun <laughs> i'm glad i met you it's uh, um when you were at so you just happened to be at this one restaurant that first one in waldo and you saw the drinks and you just were, were you like a party or before partier beforehand and saw these drinks, these cocktails, and that's uh, what made you ask these questions, or like what um, made you? So basically, I was at the time I was eighteen when I got hired at District, and I started as a host, and that was like my first entry to the, like the service um, industry world. But before that, I worked at Five Guys. Okay. And um, then obviously I got a job. I started on Craigslist, and I was like, I need another job. I want to live by myself. <laughs> but and so. Um, I started as a host, and so the host stand was across the bar, and I would see the bartenders just, I thought they were the coolest people ever. Okay. And I was still, you know, I was 18 trying to find myself. Right, right. And wanted, you know, and uh, Gordon and Tiffany, and I, I worked with such amazing bartenders, Peter Clark. They would look so cool behind that bar, just badasses. And I'm like, I want to feel that confident because you see also a confidence when you're, you, you kind of have to be confident behind the bar too. You can't mm-hmm. be kind of like timid and like scared. And that was something that I wanted to always feel, you know, confident in something that I do. And I think bartending was one of those things that I saw that I could teach, teach myself and hopefully get to that level. But I thought it was just so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was one of the biggest things that I saw first uh friday nights saturday nights the rush of the restaurant and i was like this is i i like feeling this way it's an energy it's an energy it that, that's the word yeah and i would see um the well you know line up with tickets and gordon would just make them he would <clears> line up like 10 tents and just make boom 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 just like you know and just like it was beautiful to me to see that it was like so badass and cool and you just mesmerize, like, I just want to watch you make all these drinks. And then they come out, you shake them, and you put them in this glass and um, a beautiful garnish, and there you go. And it tastes amazing. Exactly. And it was just, like, the whole process, how fast it can go, and just, um, it was just amazing to me. And I wanted to do that so bad. And I just started asking a lot of questions, and... I graduated from hosting to being a server, and then that's when I started getting more into it because I would ring in the drinks. I would start seeing, like, what they had in it, and then I would ask, how did you make that syrup, you know, and or what spirit is that? How does it taste? And I started asking all these questions that make that cocktail what it is, and eventually Gordon was like, do you just want to work <laughs> behind the bar? And I was like, yes, please, you know, and it was a good start for me because I – Started working morning shifts where you don't really make a lot of cocktails. You just make like mimosas, Bloody Marys, simple stuff. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, um, you know, he started trusting me more because he saw how much passion I had. <laughs> I wanted to learn all the time. And um, eventually he gave me night shifts and, you know, weekend shifts. And that's how it went. But before all of that, I just 
I wanted to be a bartender because I thought it was so cool. Okay. And then the obviously the craft part comes with it and the integrity you get from creating a good cocktail and people liking that. It's it's satisfying. <laughs> so like that cocktail that you have created now at Mean Mule, the Rocky gosh, Country Roads. Country Roads. Um, did you create that yourself? Like you make your own you make your own drinks like just I'm going to create your create it yourself like well i think that's what comes with that's the fun of being a bartender you're kind of like a chef in a way that's what i'm saying yeah, like you're coming you're up with able, your own ingredients your exactly. own drinks you can infuse things that would change the, the spirit how it tastes completely you can use certain liqueurs that would change um the texture even of the cocktail completely mm. and um you know and then the garnish is like the the, the little touch at the end that makes that drink um badass or whatever you want to call it but um i started experimenting more at tiki cat that's where i was more creative in a sense um and i have a cocktail right now called the retro cocktail hour um and that was like my first like really proud <laughs> cocktail i would say and that actually is a gnr um it's a new bar that it's opening in west plaza on the 39th 39th street yeah no West Plaza is not on 39th, 39th Street by the Drunken Warm and all of that. <laughs> and West, uh, like 39th Street by KU Med Center? Yeah. Okay. There's a new bar called GNR. So that was one of my uh, creations that, that I did at Tiki Cat, and they're actually going to feature it there. Okay. So if you want a Tiki D cocktail, you can go there and get it. It's called the Retro Cocktail Hour. It's a rum-based cocktail. But besides like creating cocktails for a meal, like that's basically what any bartender really does um you know you just create you see what works what doesn't you make good balance i didn't realize that i just and thought there was a lot of trial and error yeah, <laughs> for well, yeah. sure and a lot of people and a lot of you know asking people do you like this or not um uh, we've had meetings obviously like um staff meetings where we all like create cocktails too and we judge each other's cocktails like oh, i think this needs a little bit more of this or you know maybe take that out use a different liqueur or something and it's it's pretty cool to be able to do that and we do that for the menu for the fall menu as well it's a little it's like one time a year we just get together mm -hmm. and you just hang out and create cocktails until you know you, you find that <laughs> like okay this is right this is a good menu. The artistry of drink making <laughs> is so much deeper than I thought. Like I thought bartenders for the most, I thought what made a good bartender was if I could name the drink, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's what this is. I know what, I know how to make an old fashioned. I know how to make a Kansas city old fashioned mm -hmm. or a scissor rack or like mm -hmm. you just know how to make these drinks. I didn't realize it was like, oh yeah, I'm going to just create my own thing. Yeah. Like, and you can take inspiration obviously from right. those drinks, like a riff you know and um that's fine too it's just your own twist on an inspiration from a classic cocktail um and i think that's the fun part of being a bartender being able to create and you know at the end of the day if it tastes good and you like it that's what matters <laughs> though, yeah. at the end honestly that's what i've been told at the same time that's all that matters mm -hmm. what's the retro cocktail hour what is in that one so actually that one was inspired by uh, the DJ called Daryl uh, Brockton, Daryl Brockton from the Retro Cocktail Hour. I don't know if you heard of him. He, I don't know. He's been doing his shows in 19, um, what is it, 1995. 
and it's on Kansas City Public Station. Oh, cool. And he's been doing that exotica sounds, strange music, space music. So he was one of the DJs that would come to Tiki Cat every first Wednesday of the month. And he would DJ and um, record his show there and then, you know, publish it that weekend. So he was one of the first people that I met that was like a, a Tiki enthusiast that just like was so welcoming and so nice to me. And, you know, welcomed me to the Tiki family, Tiki Cat. And I just felt like he needed a cocktail that was for him, you know, some inspiration that was inspired by him. Because he would come to Tiki Cat and just do it for free. And I was like, He's, you're so nice. <laughs> like, you need some recognition. Nice. So I, uh, I put some stuff together. <clears throat> I put blackberry liqueur together, orange um, juice, some more ja. Um, some Jamaican rum and some lime juice together and I made the retro cocktail hour and it's delicious <laughs> and it's so good and it's literally what the name would look like you know just a purple tef- how is typhoon is that the word yeah typhoon in the glass <laughs> oh beautiful and that's how he describes it too and so it was a collaboration between me and him and I really wanted to make this cocktail special because he deserves it and um yeah and rum rum is your favorite liqueur or liquor to work with yeah it's just fun and funky and there's so many types of rums i feel like you can do almost anything with it and that cocktail was on the tiki cat menu but at laid close and it was a lot of people love that cocktail so i've got asked a lot like can you make it for to-go cocktails or something like that and i i never got the chance to do to-go cocktails this past um year but i'm I'm in the works right now with some bars on doing some tiki to go cocktails so be on the lookout but the retro cocktail hour itself you can get it at the new bar gnr 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 and i'm gonna also also create it on my pop-ups i have this guy that i'm was uh the guy that owns mother clucker actually got me turned on to this dude I'm trying to get him on the podcast. He's a, a street chef. Uh, he like cooks out of his house, and you can't you like you order it from him. Oh, that's awesome! And it's like uh, Mexican food, like bad. Uh, you should see. I'll, I'll get you hip to his Instagram. Hell yeah! Uh, streets. Uh, he changed his name. It was the real chef Tony, but now it's like Street Eats or something like that. He spells it funny. Anyways. You know, he does it out of his house. You know, like you order ahead of time and then he's going to have like a ton of whatever dope mm-hmm. ass food. Is that something you could do? Like I'm going to Tiki D's uh, cocktails to go like um, all these other bars and stuff are doing that. Could you I've do thought about it? Tiki D's cocktails from my house, <laughs> from your house. People come to uh, you and they get the kit. I mean, I thought about it before. Um, there's just like a lot of like rules and regulations when you're selling alcohol. Too. No, I know that. I'm kind of saying like, you know, just do it on the low low. <laughs> well, I can't do it anymore. Again, I on the low low. Cops don't listen it's to the show. Already, <laughs> it's already. Lawyers listen to the show. Cops don't. They're like, Diana, you need a lawyer to do this. <laughs> um, I mean, I thought about it. I just haven't had the chance to do it. I've been really busy with the pop-ups itself and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just doing mean meal stuff right now. But um, 
I'm definitely working on it right now with some uh, collaboration with some bars I want to there's not a lot I mean there's Tiki Huna Tiki Huna has amazing to go cocktails to go okay if you want some cocktails um, and I've talked to Trent we're deciding on collaborating on a cocktail to go um, and other bars I want to do that too so and I like to do that more because I get to support those bars and help them and you know help me build my, my build my brand <laughs> at the same time and yeah, so it's definitely in the works, but I just haven't really done much about it quite yet. You're a hustler, though. Bouncing <laughs> around, like... Doing little side like, projects. Well, like, yeah, you're like <laughs> like some of these like musicians or comics that I have on the show. Or they're networking, or, or I'm going to perform over here, I'm going to perform over yeah. here to try to get their name and stuff out there. It's mm-hmm. kind of... You kind of got the same kind of hustle mentality, kind of mm-hmm. like, I'm going to pop up here. I'm going to work at Westport Cafe for a night. I do this Iron District thing for a night. Like, Yeah. Next Sunday, if you want a place to watch the Chiefs game or just hang out, I'm going to be at the Press Penny Tavern. <laughs> Guest bartending uh, Sunday night. This will be out in a couple weeks. Oh, cool. Never mind. Yeah. Sorry, people. Retreat. Retreat, <laughs> retreat. Uh, but no, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I... But also when you do that, like guest bartending, you bring you bring people in, mm-hmm. your followers, people that just, you know, want a random person instead. I don't know. Yeah. And that brings collaboration, support, community, and that's what all I'm about, you know. And I don't really ask for much. I just want to be able to help. And if it helps build my brand for, you know, the future, so someday I open up my bar, you know, it'll all come in circles. Right. <laughs> That's what I believe in. <laughs> well, the pitch does a best bartender every year. We need to get you nominated <laughs> for that next year. Thanks. A lot of people have told me that they're like, why are you in the list? Yeah. I don't know. I've never really, I, I don't really, I guess, I mean, it'll be cool, but I don't really care for it that much. I don't ask my followers to go nominate me. Yeah. Um, I but did. if you do, that's cool. Said, nominate <laughs> me, nominate me, nominate me. <laughs> I, I just didn't think much of it. <clears throat> I don't really do. I think if it happens, it happens. We well, got my nomination worry. next year. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Tiki. Where can people uh, Where can people find you? Um, you can find usually me. typically. <laughs> typically, like working. Yeah, people want to come yeah. see you after they hear this. Uh, they want a Tiki D drink. So Tuesdays is Tiki Tuesdays at Mean Meal. You can find me there for sure. Um, and I'm also in Mimeal five days a week and, um, at Tiki Huna every once in a while, you can honestly follow me on social. You'll see where I'm at. <laughs> I'm at random places at all times. Um, it's Tiki D underscore, uh, Diana Condori. Super easy to remember. Yeah. Tiki mm-hmm. D. And I literally post about where I'm going to be that week, that month or what, wherever I'm at. But you can usually find me at Mimeal all the time making mean drinks yeah. she is the best bartender in kansas city i <laughs> no. love her drinks no no no, no. i I'm think so thank you but i haven't experienced them all but you're my favorite <laughs> thank you i appreciate all right, how that. about that you might not be the best but you're my favorite yeah i'm like i don't think i'm the best there's always somebody better and i know my niche i don't think i'm i'm humble enough to like know what i know and um but i know there's so many good bartenders out there and it's it's cr- crazy what they know. Cause, like, they like know everything. Like they've read books and books. And I'm like, well, keep yeah. reading. You're going to get there. <laughs> You're 26. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. Tiki D, thank you so much for being here. This was amazing. I learned a little bit. Mm-hmm. Thank you about for Kansas having City. me. 
I think it's my first Seriously. time like telling my story in a sense, like to the public. <laughs> there it is, public. That's a crazy story. <laughs> You've had a lot of a lot of interesting hap- things happen in your life, a lot of adversity that you've certainly overcome, and you're triumphing now and just killing the game. Thank you. I, I want nothing that. the best happen for you, and yeah, hopefully one day I will get to walk into your own bar, mm-hmm. and I get to go up there and I'll say, hey, I'll take the Neanderthal podcast. <laughs> That's dope. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, we can collab. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, take it <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>